I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who love the smell of shellac in the morning. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 446 for September 17th, 2018. On today's show, we're talking about troubles with a low-angle jack. Does a square need to be square? And uh, varnish versus polyurethane. And and probably a couple other topics will be in there as well. Uh, Now, today's show is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. If you're looking for inspiration on your next project, you should probably sign up for Brusso's Photo Extra newsletter. The newsletter showcases the dedication and craftsmanship of your fellow woodworkers with things like keepsake boxes, humidors, and furniture. If you want inspiration delivered straight to your inbox, then sign up at brusso.com slash photo extra. Uh, Brusso makes some of the most fabulous hardware. You've heard us talk about them many, many times, uh, but you really have to experience it to believe it because they are pretty much the best. I don't know what else to say. And it's not just because they're paying me to say that. I honestly believe it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh-huh. What? You guys not don't only believe am I me? the president of the Bruso Fan Club. <laughs> also <laughs> a I'm a user. All right. We also like to thank some folks who helped us out over at Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash woodtalk. Aaron Thompson, Travis Schweiger, John V, Kyle Ram- Rasmussen, and uh, William Sersky. So thank you so much, folks. We really appreciate the direct support like that. And again, if you want to help out too, patreon.com slash woodtalk. And let's get into what's on the bench. And uh, for me, okay. it's been, it's oh, okay. <laughs> you sure it's okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, so All right, man. All right. yesterday was kind of interesting. Yesterday was uh, Ava's birthday. And Happy birthday. Yeah. I'll let her know you said that. And um, she's still at that. <laughs> she's still at that age where she like the concept of the birthday kind of doesn't even make sense it's like ava how old are you and she'll go ava <laughs> i was like all right well, clearly this isn't working out um <laughs> so 
She is just loves lollipops. She loves those little dumb dumb lollipops. It's like her favorite thing in the world. So I wanted to make her this little uh, display so that when she comes down from her nap and we go to celebrate her birthday, she sees this like amazing cornucopia of of dumb dumb lollipops, right? And uh, so I go into the shop and start making this thing out of like plywood and painting it different colors so it's a rainbow. And it took me about 45 minutes, but I finally got it done. It's all painted. All the holes are drilled. Lollipops are in there. I even put a little lacquer top coat on it. Uh, I bring it in. <laughs> And and Nicole goes like this. She goes, oh, I was like, what? Like what? I just busted my butt to get. I mean, it was a simple project, but I really worked hard for forty five minutes. And she's like, we well, got the rainbow colors reversed. And I'm like, she's like, what? All right, fine. I suck. You know, it's one of those moments where like you, you just completely deflated like my my victory on this one because I reversed the rainbow colors. So thank you, Nicole, on, Mark. for that. You were a scientist at some point. Come on. Well, she only gave me four colors, so it wasn't even the complete rainbow. I'm just like, Ava's going <laughs> to love it. You can put them in any order you want. It'll be fine. But yeah. You can so. make a lot of colors out of four colors. That's true. The and primary yeah. colors are in there. It, it would have been, you know, it would have been perfect. But no, anyway, so Ava loved it, and that's all that matters. So that was a fun, very, uh, it's, it's just <laughs> funny how sometimes like the simplest projects uh, wind up being the most gratifying sometimes. Um, and speaking of not such a simple project, the miter bench, uh, miter station is finally done. And, you know, it, it takes me how long, like three months, four months maybe to build a desk, but it takes me like about a week and a half to make a miter station. Now the, the miter station granted is much simpler, um, but there is something to that shop project motivation that I still have to this day. I mean, I'm like over maybe 15 years into woodworking, but I still get weirdly excited about shop furniture. I don't know why. And I, I work faster when I do it and I just enjoy that process. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm very excited to have it done, but also it's a guild project that's done a couple weeks ahead of time. And I'm not sure that that has ever really happened to me. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things. So I, I'm going to blame the fact that it's a shop project that I was able to actually complete this uh, so far ahead of time. But uh, I'm so excited about it. it. It was just the most important thing about it to me was storage. So now I have 10 more drawers, a bunch of pull-out trays behind cabinets. Uh, it's just a ton of storage that I desperately needed in the shop setup. So I'm, I'm super stoked about it. I go all the way back to the modern woodshop podcast with Dave Knopf's in like oh, 2009 yeah. okay. when he called the woodshop our clubhouse. And yeah. that just resonates with me. And that's right. why it's like, because we're all this way, like shop projects. Oh, heck yeah. You know, this is, I'm going to organize this. I'm going to have a tray for this and a till for this and a holder for that. And it, it just, it goes back to like being a kid and having a tree house and like hanging your, you know, radioactive man poster on the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's awesome. Yeah. As I stand here looking at a Spider-Man poster on my wall. In my right. shop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's definitely our clubhouse. It's our, uh, forgive the term ladies, but our man cave and it's a, you know, woman cave if you're a woman, but, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, so that's it for me, Shannon, what do you have going on? Um, I got a new tool this week. I was very excited. I got a new, uh, bowl ads and it was something that, um, I, when I went to find woodworking live, uh, I took the bowl carving class that Dave Fisher did mm -hmm. and he was talking about ads is, and I, you know, I already have a bowl ads and I was like, okay, but then he had this little one for well, making little bowls. And 
that's actually as I've been playing around with bowl carving, that's actually what I want to do. Um, I'm not I didn't really want to make these big, giant like centerpiece things. I was thinking it would be cool to make like smaller serving bowls or like deeper, like cereal type bowls. But Mm -hmm. the ads that I have, there's just no way. I mean, the radius on it isn't tight enough to turn a corner. And I saw that that Dave had this ads from the Hans Carlson company. And it's one of those like, sorry, they only make like seven tools a year, you know, so like (laughs) sign on to a waiting list. And I mean, it's more than that, but they do batch runs and like they don't even they just post on Instagram. Oh, yeah. New stuff's in the store and it's gone in like five minutes. So it's like a total crapshoot. And I was able to get one and it showed up and, you know, took a while to get here and everything, but it showed up. And it's just one of those like one of those reasons we're a woodworker, you know, it's like the total tool porn joy of the new tool. And this is truly an incredibly well-made handmade, just gorgeous piece of bespoke artisan throw your favorite buzzword, you know, tool making on it and Mm -hmm. got a chance to play around with it yesterday. And it's just, it's one of those like revolutionary things, you know, there's, there's an okay tool and then one that's made by a person who's been using that tool for 50 years and mm-hmm. the little refinements they made to it. So it was just awesome. But, you know, it's always I'm always hesitant to say to, to show these things because people are like, oh, that's great. Where'd you get that tool? Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get one. <laughs> I'm I'm still shocked that I was able to get it. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of those. One of those cool things. There's so many of those little boutique tool makers out there, and every now and then you get your hands on one, and it's it's just such an incredible experience to work with it. So, so we're not really helping the whole like stereotype of internet woodworkers who only uh, upgrade shop furniture and buy tools. I mean, so yeah. far that we're like uh, you know two, <laughs> for, two for two on this. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I did I did start designing a tool uh, a tool. Jeez, started designing <laughs> a uh, piece of furniture for the house. Uh-huh. So. You know, and and this one's actually for the wife, so I oh, do good. kind of need to get it done. Oh, She's no. Granted, idea. there's plenty of plenty of projects that are supposed to have been for the wife, but they've never really been a priority. Yeah. Um, this one, however, this one needs to happen because uh, I don't know if you guys were have been in this situation, but you know, when you're when you're first married or you're in college and you're absolutely dirt poor, and you buy you know some piece of cheap furniture, and it manages to hang around for a couple of decades, yeah. <laughs> to the point where you just kind of forget it's there, and then until suddenly it just falls apart because it was never a nice piece of furniture in the first place. So it was kind of like, yeah, I better replace that because now that it's fallen apart, we realized how much she was using this chest. So right. yeah, it's got to happen. Nice. But I can't use my bowl ads to make it, so I don't know. Gonna... <laughs> well, you, you I could. I could try. You could try. It might look a little weird, but okay. That's just a stress or whatever, right? That's right. <laughs> That's in there. Anyway, the rustic look is in. Uh, what so, I'll do is just make a bowl and just set it where the chest used to be. And so you can still put stuff there you in there. <laughs> It'll hold things. It'll, that'll work. Uh, so, Matt, what about you, man? Lingerie bowl. Um, <laughs> Lingerie bowl. That goofy. does sound good. Been a goofy couple of weeks for me. We had a little child care issue, so our nanny decided that she uh, wanted to quit, and she put in notice, which is fine. She gave us three weeks' notice to find someone new, and then just stopped coming in. Like, <laughs> so it was more like a day. two two days. But she notice. gave notice, Matt. I mean, <laughs> nobody said you had I, to see she, it through. I mean, I guess so. That I, you're not wrong about that. That's funny. So <laughs> I, I haven't gotten a whole lot done because I've been kind of trying to watch the kids. And, uh, you know, between working here and there, Lindsay was home yesterday with the kids and 
luckily for us, we have uh, a friend here in town, actually Dima's wife, who's awesome. She takes the boys whenever she can, so you know we got that too. But it's been a really goofy week, like family-wise, because I haven't had like those solid big chunks of time that I normally do to work, which isn't not not really all that ideal. But anyway, we hired someone uh, yesterday that they had to put their two weeks notice in at their current job. So we're not going to have any childcare for the next couple of weeks, but I think we'll manage a little bit here. We got a little, a few days here and there that have been kind of figured out, but for the most part, it's going to be another couple of weeks. So I got like a whole month of kind of half working ish, (laughs) which is kind of crap (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. It's (laughs) tough. Well, if it makes you feel better, I've kind of enjoyed your Instagram feed over the last couple of days. Lots of kid pics and kids. Here's what I'm doing. Watching kids. <laughs> yeah. And interesting. It's like when you went to Italy, you know? It's much more interesting than your normal crap. Stupid oh, yeah, no bandsaw crap. progress and, and yeah. Who cares about that stuff? Uh, I I don't know. Some people. It's, it's goofy. Few. Yeah. Hey, how's um, that uh forty minute bandsaw whatever uh mill video? Oh my it's so how's good. That performing? <laughs> it's doing good. My like best video of the year. That's crazy. <laughs> and it's been up for what two weeks three weeks yeah, something like that yeah. it's it's like over eighty thousand views already there you go which is a lot for me stick stick with what uh, works man yeah it's got uh like eighty three thousand views already and a lot of likes so and i haven't had a video with that many views uh since january wow that's interesting and it's like me uh, either like, but I haven't Six. posted a video since January. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't win unless you play, Shannon. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get to uh, let's get to what's new, uh, Shannon. You were on uh, MWA. That's awesome. Yes, I was. That's yeah, exciting. It, it, it was it was fun. I um <clears throat> had a what fine work working live. Had a really good time talking to Kyle Barton. Just about I don't know if you guys have paid attention to his Instagram feed, but he's really diving into the chair making thing and doing a lot of steak chairs and other kinds of chairs and really kind of following this um, almost methodical process and chair design and kind of adding a little bit to each design and tweaking it and kind of enjoyed it. So it was a really good conversation to just talk about that. But for the listeners of this show, uh, if, if, if you really, if you need a reason to go listen to it, um, it's basically like a super extended version of the lumber industry update. <laughs> We talked a lot about just the lumber trade and how the industry has changed and kind of little frustrating things, annoying things, surprising things that that are happening in that in that industry. So, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good conversation. It's long. They they definitely do a long format show over there. Yeah. That's a Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. If you guys want to look that up. And I I have no idea when that episode is going to drop. I. Yeah. So. Just cool. just sit here with bated breath and just wait. Just wait by your phone. Wait Keep hitting it. refresh on your podcatcher, whatever it is. You know. Yes. Just. Okay, so we got another thing in here. Fine Woodworking is doing a hands-on deal. So fine, I, at last year at Fine Woodworking Live, they made this announcement, and it was kind of not 100% clear what it was going to be. <laughs> like, are they doing an actual... Uh, the show is going to be in Florida or is it an additional show? Well, what it turns out to be is a hands-on show. So it's fine woodworking live, but it's actually the referring to it as fine woodworking hands-on. Uh, and that's going to be in Tampa from February uh, 1st through the 3rd. Uh, it looks like registration is open 
And I, I think there's a school down there that they have some connection with that they were able to, to pull this off. So, you know, it's fine woodworking. It's some really talented folks there. And a hands-on thing like this could be really cool. Because I think one of the things that, that, you know, after you go to enough of these shows, you kind of get to a point where it's like, well, okay, these seminars are fine. I pick up a little bit of information. Uh, but as we know, there's nothing like actually having someone there to teach you in person. And this sounds like, you know, a three-day intensive uh, that could be pretty cool. So go check that out. It's a yeah. uh, fun. It's, it's basically just like signing up for a three day class. Yeah. yeah but yeah. they've managed to bring like seven or eight instructors together in one area who will all be teaching their own class. So mm-hmm. it's not a pop in on this class, then pop on on this class type conference. It's you're taking a class, you know, you got to choose one unless you can clone yourself. So it's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting. I'm just going to be curious to see how they make it. Cause like, I mean, you can remark when, when, um, Vanderlist, you and I started talking about Wood Talk Live or yeah. Wood Talk Live, Wood Talk Weekend. Wood Talk Weekend. And like the <laughs> logistics of trying to work out a hands-on event uh-huh. basically just stalled us. It was just like, wow, this kind of sucks to plan. So, and and like Woodworking in America tried it back in 2008, nine, and it kind of went off okay. And then over the years, they've tried doing these hands-on things and it's slowly just fallen apart because logistically, how do you pull this off? And I'm kind of curious. I mean, Find Wood Working Live to me was really well done, really well executed logistically. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they can bring that same kind of organizational whatever to to this because I think they've got like 12 to 15 slots per class, which from an instructor standpoint sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's typical though. I mean, depending on the school. Here, here's the reason why I think this is going to be better than, than those other examples you mentioned. It's at a woodworking school. And right. they are at a facility. Oh, yeah. Like when we talked about Wood Talk Weekend, we're just a bunch no, of idiots. Woodworking. Yeah, we're like, whoa, where are we going to do this? How am I going to make this happen at my shop and get on enough workbenches? Well, that's what would make that fall apart. Uh, and it's not at a convention center. This is actually at a woodworking school. Here's another reason why I think it's going to work. The price. So yeah. that tells me that they aren't, this is not like, this is no joke. that's the price range for these classes. So they're not messing around. You know, this isn't like a couple hundred bucks and then you're in for the weekend and stop in where you want. Um, So yeah, I I think this actually may work out. It seems like it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's what you would pay for a three day class at a school. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is not a bargain. It's probably, but it's going to be most likely a very good experience. So anyway, check it out if you're interested in that. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Shannon, why don't you get this last one? Yeah, uh, Preston Norris sent this to me. We've talked in the past about however now and then um, some of these museum books get released on Google Books and such. And we've actually talked about the furniture of the Rentigans, like all those puzzle box type furniture guys. We always like every month we get somebody who sends us something. Have you seen this video of this incredible puzzle box <laughs> desk? Nope, never saw it. It's 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 those guys. Yeah. Um, and there's a they've the Met Metropolitan Museum of Art has put out the book on this. Uh, it's like one hundred and twelve dollars on Amazon, but it's also free on a um, on their site and a PDF download. So it's kind of cool. Really interesting furniture with all kinds of little hidden drawers and spring-loaded mechanisms and stuff like that. So Sweet. check it out. Post the link. I like the uh, URL. I don't know if that's the title of the book, but uh, Princely Furniture. Princely Furniture yeah. of the Renkins. That's yeah, a, that's, the, that's the name of the book. That's pretty yeah, cool. They're, 
Okay. It just, I don't know, something about that princely. Anyways, um, Matt, why don't you get the first kick back here and I will queue up some voicemails. All right, I'm going to get back to there. I was reading this fine working live thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see what the classes were. I was actually interested to see what they were what they're planning. It's, anyway, it looks good. We got some kickback from Will. It says, hey, guys, a little kickback on the person who questioned buying the woodpeckers. Did we say did we decide on the name for this? Is it the Delvey Square? I, I haven't heard any corrections. Or Delve? Or, so I don't e? know. It's got to be Delve. All right, well, Delve. everyone... Everyone knows what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The Woodpecker's W Square set. I purchased a smaller one last time they had this out as it wasn't super expensive by itself. Originally, I thought what Mark thought. It was a creature comfort thing that I would never really use. To date, it is one of my most commonly used tools in the shop. It is light, easy to read, easy to find. It's bright red. And <laughs> the measurements and layout marks on it are very useful and well thought out. I would buy the set of two for 170 ish, no way, but they are still offering a single piece under $65. As this one about mine, heck yeah, I'd buy it again. Wow. You only need one, I guess. Well, I think but they actually, awesome. they just, um, uh, probably right after he sent this email, I think they just announced the one time tool for the, like, the plain one is the one that they're running right now. So the fancier one just finished up, and now they're doing the one I think. Oh, the, one the plain he's one. About. Yeah. Oh, with, a, with an I. Yes, not the, exactly. P L A I N, not P L A N E. Yeah, it's that's early. that's cool. <laughs> you know, the problem is, I guess if you get a lot of woodpeckers stuff and some of the one-time tool stuff or Incra things, um, the, a lot of that stuff is red. And once you have a lot of it, having something red is no longer. <laughs> The helpful, like if it's the only one you have, that's fine. <laughs> but if you have a collection, oh. everything's friggin' red now. I mean, some of these people on Instagram, have you seen them, Matt, with their wall of woodpecker oh, yeah. stuff? The wall of red. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it's yep. all just this blood red. I mean, it looks cool. I think but That's like the new, like, back when Mark had a lot of clamps, and that was like the thing to, like, you know, to show say off. about you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark, Mark showed off because there's so many clamps. Now it's like these people show off with their wall of woodpeckers. Yeah. Exactly. You think See, I never got into the woodpecker thing because if you guys remember way, way back, my shop walls were red and I just knew that I would never find the tools. <laughs> I can't find anything. It's the same color. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So we've got a, this is a cool voicemail and you guys can help me with it. I do have trouble with thick accents sometimes to understand exactly what they're saying. I think I got the gist. Um, this guy's actually an Ethiopian fan woodworker of the show. And, um, well, well, listen and see if, if we can get his question here. What is up guys? My name is Muke. I'm from Ethiopia. I have a question for you guys. It's tool recommendation. I hope it's not asked like a gajillion times so far, but, uh, I hope this is a new one. I was looking for industrial heavy really heavy duty machinery so what do you guys suggest how do you get it like are you suggest to buy a used one or i don't know really 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 want to know your thoughts on this one thanks okay with headphones that was not as difficult as i thought it was when i listened to it when it, when it first came <laughs> in i was like well i'll ask the guys if they got it uh so he's <laughs> He's looking at a heavy. I'm just gonna throw it out in the show, and if no one can understand it, it'll be a really awkward moment. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll make we'll make it. Uh, you know, wood talk gold like we always do. Um, so he's looking for heavy duty machinery and is asking uh, how how to acquire that and what the best way to go about it is. You know, I don't really have huge heavy duty machines. I mean, my machines are heavy duty for the homeowner 
um, you yeah. know, scale. Uh, but it's not like I'm rocking, you know, a big slider in there and like Felder equipment and, and stuff that, you know, is going to be delivered on a big flatbed truck. Uh, but if you're trying to source this stuff, uh, I would absolutely recommend used, you know, because if you're uh, like, uh, let's say a big cabinet shop closes down, um, that equipment needs to go and you're going to be paying a premium if you get that stuff brand new. So I don't know mm-hmm. in Ethiopia what the options are for the used market and how how easy it is to communicate that stuff. Here, obviously, we've got things like Craigslist where you're going to find this stuff. And and even these days, Facebook Marketplace is is actually a good place to find some stuff. I don't know about industrial machinery, uh, but certainly... Most of the, the manufacturers of this big stuff, they uh-huh. actually have resell websites or oh, they have yeah. partnered with... Craigslist for this type of thing is actually, with the exception of one molder, everything in our mill uh, at the lumberyard is is um, secondhand in summer. I mean, because these things last for flipping ever. Yeah. If you maintain them well, um, when they have to be delivered on a flatbed truck, uh, because they're just they're solid steel all the way through, no corners cut. They really will last forever. Mm-hmm. And the issue becomes occasionally, you know, the motor um, or some of the moving parts may need to be replaced. But yeah, why um, yard foreman basically has like three or four websites that he just goes to, and nine times out of ten, it's like you know a Weinig endorsed site that allows you to to find these reefs. Um, repurposed or not repurposed reused whatever i don't know what i'm trying to say because of what you were just saying mark is so many of these shops have closed down yeah um now and i think the same thing would happen abroad certainly we've we're seeing it in europe i have no idea in ethiopia i mean ethiopia africa in general is a source for a lot of hardwoods and such so there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of sawmills and things like that and a lot of things getting closed down he might have luck actually looking at government run type things like search and like seizure auction sites type. and things. Yeah. Like the police auction here locally. Um, because certainly there's plenty of examples of things being shut down due to illegal practices yeah. um, all over Africa. So, um, I would check manufacturer websites and if possible, even contact a manufacturer rep. Like if he has a tool in mind, um, contact a manufacturer rep and they probably can point him in the direction of where a used marketplace would be for mm-hmm. their tools. And so we're basically looking at the internet at that as a starting yeah. point, which is probably good yeah, news I mean, for him, you know, considering where he is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Um, keep those coming. Hey, you know what? If you, if you're in a, hey, thanks for listening in Africa, right? That's, that's cool. what I'm saying. Like yeah. if, you're, if you're in a country, like we're just dumb Americans. If, if, <laughs> if you're in some cool country and, yep. and you Hold listen to the show, call us. We want to hear this stuff. I think it's really, really cool uh, to know that there's folks abroad listening to the show. Okay. Uh, got another question here on Oak, Oak slab, or maybe a, I don't know if it's a question. I should listen to this stuff before I play it. Hey, what guys, <laughs> this is Tiki from Chisholm. I've got this quick story for you guys you might find interesting. It's one of those, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't believe it situations. So my neighbor is hardcore woodworker. He's been woodworking over 40 years. And I give him hand every now and then. And last weekend, I was helping him out in his shop. We pulled out this massive oak slab from his storage. He's been keeping it for 20 years. And we need to rip this in half, right in the middle. With a bandsaw, we, go, we get halfway, and... Hello? 
Are you still there? Hello. <laughs> what is going Hello? on? Hello. Did you quit? Oh, jeez. I think they quit. <laughs> I think they retired. <laughs> Maybe I should have listened to this ahead of time. That was really weird. <laughs> I'm, not, hey. I'm really not even sure what to make of that. Wow. That was interesting. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so let's let's go to Stan's uh, comment or question about power carving. Hello, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Stan in Texas. Love your program, and the four of you, including both Matt's, have taught me a lot about my woodworking skills. I'm a practicing dentist of 35 years and woodworker of about five years, and I wanted to discuss Mark's comments a few programs back about the similarities of power carving and dentistry. I haven't done any power carving personally, but if Mark is power carving through the opening of a three inch by three inch box on a moving target while looking through a mirror with somebody spitting on his fingers, they're pretty much the same thing. (laughs) Just busting your chops. Keep up the good work and I'm glad you guys didn't quit. Uh, Thanks. I love that, first of all. Uh, and second of all, in my defense, I wasn't actually talking about the dentist. I was talking about the, the I don't know if it's a dental hygienist or the person who was correcting my crown and she would take it out of my mouth and hold it in her hand and she was doing the repairs or the like you uh. know, she was doing it by hand, not in my mouth. And of course, the dentist is doing all the fine work when once it's in my mouth to make sure everything is seated properly. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't look, I wouldn't want to do anything inside someone else's mouth like that. Like I don't, not power carving or anything. Just that's disgusting. I don't know how you do your job, <laughs> but I'm glad that you- hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You do it because because it just seems gross to be like up in someone's business like that. Uh, let's see. Where am I? Okay. We got one more voicemail here and it's a, uh, Oh, our favorite topic, a little bit of kickback on the miter saw fence thingy. <laughs> oh, good. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, this is Spencer Sims from the beautiful Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, I got some kickback for you on the, uh, miter stand, the, the fences. Um, my dad and I built a, a miter saw stand with huge fences, and uh, we hate them. We absolutely hate those fences. Uh, we've been talking about tearing one off, um, but never thought that we actually could because never seen it done before. So 
Uh, Mark, thank you. I think what we're actually going to do is tear off the fence on the left side of the saw and leave the one on the right because we deal almost exclusively in rough sawn sapelli uh, and mahogany, and it's all twisty, and that fence gets in the way. But every once in a while, we do use the fence on the right side of the saw to set up some stops, um, to do some repeatable cuts, um, to clamp some things down. Um, so, yeah, I think we're actually going to go the combo method. Uh, we're going to have no fence on the left and a fence on the right. Um, so that's our take on it. Have a good day. Hmm. Keep up the good work. Bye. Perf- perfectly reasonable. Do you guys cut rough sawn lumber on your miter saw? Yes. No. Isn't that, like, dangerous? No, stop it. It's about I mean, a- I suppose if it's flat enough, if it registers flat enough, but isn't it a possible kickback hazard well here's what i do uh i do use it for rough cuts and uh if it's a really big unruly board jigsaw is where you know that's the easiest thing and safest thing for me uh if it's not too unruly i will put it on the miter saw if there is enough support for it and there's a clamp the key is that clamp if i can Mm, get a a clamp on one side then i know it's really going to be in a stationary position even after i make the cut and weight is released Excuse me. Usually that clamp is going to hold that thing down. So I will use it for rough lumber. I'll use it as a intermediate thing. So if I'm like cutting the pieces down, they're partially milled. Everything's still, you know, fairly flat, but I'm cutting it oversized. I'm not going to bother setting up a sled and a miter gauge at the table saw. I'm just going to do that at the chop saw. But later when I'm doing my final cuts to final dimension, that's when I'm using the table saw. So yeah, I actually do use it quite a bit uh, for rough cutting as long as it's done safely. All right. But yeah, yet another reason not to have a fence. Yes, exactly. That <laughs> uh, miter saw kickback is terrifying, so uh, I don't do it anymore. Yeah. It's kind I've of had it. I mean, it's, I, it's I've experienced scary. it and kind of like never, <laughs> never okay. going to do that ever uh, again. I will probably get some crap for this, but in the realm of kickbacks or kicks back, <laughs> kick, let's call it kickbacks. <laughs> in the realm of how things can kick back. I've had, of course, the miter saw kickback, like uh, the big piece of wood. It just pinches the blade and then it's stuck. That's actually one of the worst things is when you can't get the damn blade back out. <laughs> but in the yeah. world of kickbacks, for some reason, the miter saw kickback, I find not nearly as scary or intimidating as like a table saw kickback. Well, wow. no. So here's the, here's the difference, though. With a table saw kickback, it's the wood that's coming at you. The miter saw, it's the whole saw head coming at you. Right, but I kind of feel like I, I do have a sense of confidence in the construction of the saw that it will stop. I, I have <laughs> less confidence in the fact that my other hand not holding the saw is going to be like pulled somehow in. directed into the saw area. Yeah, yeah. Not that it's ever happened, but that thing coming back at you and then suddenly stopping because it hits the end of the rails. Yeah. And like, all right, that's cool. Right. And then I did it again. <laughs> I kept doing it, obviously, because I'm stupid. And I'm like, eh, now my smartest lives on the floor anyway, so it's not really something I would do because yeah, it's yeah. on the floor and it'd take work to set it up. Right. But, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, I guess for smaller stuff, it's probably less of an issue. But, like, when I'm cutting, like, the 12-inch chop saw, we'll do, like, 12, uh, 15 inches wide boards. Mm-hmm. When you're doing boards like that wide, then, you know, it's a little more dicey if they're really twisty and weird. Yeah. But if you're cutting like six inch rough cut lumber, meh, that's yeah, not no really problem. a huge issue. There's also a technique with this and um, it's a little bit subtle, but a lot of times if you're just, you're just hammering through an eight quarter board uh, and going straight through in one cut, 
yeah, you could very well have a problem. Even with a clamp in place, you could have a problem. Um, so my habit is to take a little bit at a time. So I don't have a slider anymore. I've actually just got a regular old school, simple chop saw. Um, but with a slider, I would actually take light passes and I'm kind of curfing my way down. Uh, and as you do that, you start to release the pressure. But every time you come back up and then go back in, if that kerf is closing on you, you're widening it again. So that by the time you mm-hmm. get to the bottom, there's no fear of kickback because you have slowly removed it and released the pressure so that those two pieces are slowly coming back down. So there is a technique to it if you're going to really be doing a lot of this rough, uh, rough sawn lumber that uh, you should probably learn if, if you're going to attempt that on that tool to, just to keep it as safe as possible. So if you ever see somebody kind of do that back and forth thing on it, you're like, what the? hell are they doing like they're not like, they're going back and forth <laughs> just make the cut already yeah make the cut what is your problem that's usually what they're doing is they're releasing pressure in a safe way before they get all the way through the material so anyway uh shannon did you want we, we talked a little bit about this pre-show you mentioned something about finding it like kind of funny that, oh, about getting yeah, per- permission to make just- changes Right. His words of, you know, well, we never like we don't like it. We hate the miter fence, but we haven't seen anybody take it off. So we've kept it. Yeah. It's like it's OK. Like you can make decisions in your own shot. I just think and, and I'm saying this knowing that I have probably done the very same thing where I've thought I don't need something and looked for examples where someone has gotten rid of it and didn't find them. So then just hung on to it. Well, I, I mean, Maybe you're, it's a, it's you're more a good of a sign example. of our society. Well, I think you're a really good example of this because there was a a growth curve that you went on that you were starting to think, do I really need all these power tools? But you can't. You, there's no way the the day that that thought came in your mind that you were like, yep, let's get rid of these things. I guarantee, like I'm sure you went through this process and it took a while before you gained the confidence that you could be happy woodworking without those things in your shop. And the day you finally made right. that decision was was huge. But I'm sure you had a lot of second guessing on your way there. Yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of funny, you know. Well, you know, it, it took it took an internet person, internet personality. We'll call you a person. How dare you? You sir. certainly have personality. <laughs> um, it, you know, it it took that to happen, that catalyst before the thought that he and his dad had been having for a while was validated enough. Yeah. But even then, it's like, we're only going to get rid of one fence. We're just going to dip right. our toe in the water. We don't, we don't quite fence. trust Mark at this point. You know, until Mark and three other people <laughs> say they don't need their miter well, fences, did you we're going to keep uh, the second one. Did you see David Petrudo did a video on this? So yeah. David contacted yes. me on Instagram and we're just talking back and forth a little bit about the fence thing. And he's like, well, that, that does it because he basically had been thinking the same thing. Do I really need these? but was kind of afraid to get rid of them. And then once he heard me say it, he's like, all right, well, that's it. That's my, like, essentially not permission, but that's, that, that's like my cue that I can now remove these things. And he made a video on it. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I think we all kind of have that hesitation. If everyone else is going one way, why would I want to go the other way? It's like, this is, this is a tried and true thing. I must not be seeing it or I must not have done the, the right project that required that thing yet. You know, so it's I can actually I was thinking about like my old miter station and I can actually now think of a reason why the miter fence was a good thing. Yeah. It's that space behind the miter fence on the countertop. Uh-huh. The fence actually held in crap. So it was a great place to just oh, yeah. shove stuff. And the fence <laughs> kept it from like toppling over and sliding around. So it, like the fence worked in its opposite way of holding things behind it. It was really good there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good stuff. 
All right. So uh, what was that? The end of our voicemail. So by the way, if you want to leave us a voicemail, just like those folks did, uh, use your phone and your voice memo app and send that file to woodtalkonline at gmail.com and we will play it on the show. And I think we do have a lumber update. And I've got a little, little of this action for you, Shannon. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. Go, Matt, go. <laughs> uh, I like that. We could just we can ditch that and just have Matt do it from now on. I, I would love that. Well, sure this one's would. this one's relatively quick because we've spoken briefly about it in more of a, 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 a broader sense in the past about like bug infestations and different species and things. But I got a, an email from somebody who said that uh, they have a woodworking friend in North Carolina that will not isn't carrying any walnut because they are, quote, not allowed to bring walnut into um, her state, North Carolina, hmm. due to a bug infestation. So um, he contacted me and said, you know, is this is this true? So uh, absolutely it is. The thousand canker disease is what's affecting walnut right now. And there are quarantines all over the country in an effort to try to prevent the spread of this. So uh, North Carolina is on that list. You cannot bring any lumber from outside North Carolina into North any walnut rather uh, so you can't bring Ohio walnut into North Carolina. You can't bring South Carolina walnut in. Basically, you can use North Carolina walnut, um, but that is it. Um, there is a quarantine in place. And if you are at all curious about this, um, you can go to thousandcankers.com um, and or just thousandcankers.com slash quarantines, and you'll actually see the quarantine map. You'll see all the fine print of the, the details. You can import some material if there are certain certifications in place, like uh, heat treatment certifications and things. And that's actually what we do is we have all of our heat treatment certifications in place so we can ship the stuff around. But it's causing a major problem for the states that don't have a lot of walnut you know, in state. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot of walnut moving around right now. Hmm. That would suck. I like walnut. Yeah, it sucks. It's bad. It's it's a very, very bad blight. They're comparing it to the American chestnut blight. It's very Ooh. scary because walnut is my favorite wood. So, yeah, dude, yeah, that's terrifying. Stock up now. I have to go to Matt's house and get it all. Yeah. <clears throat> all, yeah. Of, all of his yeah. illegal walnuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so let's yeah, get into Yeah, what Matt a... is calling fun spalting is actually canker fungi. So, yeah, yeah good stuff. Oh, good. Enjoy it, Matt. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your fungus. All right. I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> It is beautiful. It is a beautiful fungus, i got to say. Uh, all right, let's get into our email here. Um, first one I have from... Why do I not have a name here? Shoot. Are you talking in a funny voice? I don't know. Uh, well, that's how this guy talks. I can tell just by the way he writes his email. Okay, I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. Uh, what's the difference between varnish and polyurethane? I'm looking for a good film finish to use in my projects, but most discussed on the web are not readily available in the UK. Varnish is widely available here, but not mentioned much in the by U.S. content creators. Uh, is it basically the same product, but with a different label? Love the podcast. Thanks for not quitting. Oh, excuse me. I didn't eat this morning, and it's early. We're recording very early, by the way, if anyone... Uh, there's no way you guys would know that. And I'm just drinking coffee, and now it's making me gazy. Okay, so uh, varnish... 
think of that more like a general term. Uh, it, it, it varnish, you know, can be the old school stuff where it's just the, the oil, the resin, the thinner. Uh, and then you have polyurethane. Polyurethane is, you know, chemically more complex. It's a, a polymer, but you can find these, you could find a polyurethane varnish, right? So the, the varnish is the umbrella term and polyurethane is a type of varnish. And a lot of times the things with that, that are referred to polyurethane are just, it's not really just pure polyurethane and that's the only thing in it. A lot of times it has some of those other resins in there that you would find in a classic varnish. All right, so basically if you're just looking for a film finish, uh, the varnish you have access to is probably just made with various different resins, uh, but polyurethane is just not in that mixture. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those varnishes are still really good, high-quality film finishes. Polyurethane is is good. It's very durable, uh, but it also has a lot of disadvantages in terms of like UV resistance, things like that if you're going to use it for exterior applications. But in general, when you go to buy a varnish, if you hear someone talking about using poly or they're using wipe on poly, uh, application wise and how it's applied and what they're doing with it, you can pretty much do the same thing with varnish that you're, that you have access to, because it's going to, for the most part, behave the same way in terms of application, uh, polyurethane. A lot of people don't like the way it looks because it does have that kind of plasticky look to it. And varnishes tend to, you know, like a traditional varnish tends to be a little bit warmer and, uh, have a little bit more of a, 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 a uh, what's the opposite of lifeless? I want a life full look. <laughs> it's it looks just a little bit more alive uh, when you apply it to to a wood surface. All right, so basically it's just a terminology thing. Uh, I would have to imagine, you know, you guys have some kind of polyurethane in in the UK. I don't know the the terminology, what they would call it, or what the brands would be. But I'd be very surprised if you can't find a polyurethane product out there. Uh, but either way, I would say they're almost more, in terms of application, they're more similar than they are different. Uh, so if you find a good quality varnish product, you know, in the States, the funny thing is, I think we, in the States, as woodworkers, we tend to prize the varnish finishes a little bit more like than polyurethane. Polyurethane is almost looked down upon in a lot of circles. And people are like, man, I wish I could just find, you know, a just good quality uh, resin varnish that is not, you know, there's no poly in the mix at all. You know, people seem to like that. So I don't know, maybe the situation's the opposite here in the States. Uh, but that's it. Okay. Wow. Good to know. <clears throat> all right. Mm-hmm. All right. We got one here from Dan. He says, there's a lot of talk about squares and how accurate a square should be, but does it really matter? A combination square from Harbor Freight or Louis Valley will both do layout, but doesn't it just matter if the tool you're cutting is set up correctly, i.e. the table saw, the router, the bandsaw? Thank you, and thanks for quitting for the summer. Well, you're welcome. It was a very nice quit that we did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that quitting. So I think as far as combination squares need to be accurate, if you're just doing layout, like you're drawing some lines on a board, and you're going to use those to kind of guide your cuts later, it doesn't need to be square if you just like, Let's say you're doing a mortise. You want to just like put the start and stop points on there, and you want to like draw in the wall of the mortise by using the body of the combination square and dragging your pencil down the board to get a parallel line. That's cool too. But the thing is that unless you like really operate under the guise that your combination square is not square and you're not going to use it to actually check other things with it, it's kind of almost like I don't know. It feels a little worthless to me to have a combination square. It's not actually accurate because there's so many other things we do with a combination square 
that you would want to have that knowledge that this is actually square and I can use it to check things. Like all those machines that you can be setting up to cut correctly, do you have a second square that's actually square that you would set those up with? Or or what? And then if you're looking at doing something like, let's say you're doing some layout work, but you want to do some more like hand tool stuff, you want to scribe a shoulder for a tenon. Well, your square needs to be pretty darn square to be able to wrap a line all the way around a board. And uh, you're not square square won't be able to do that. So it really comes down to like how much you want to hassle with, oh, wait, I got to put the square away and use a different one because this one's not actually square. I'm using it for drawing lines on boards. Mm-hmm. Or you want to get in your shop and be like, all my squares are square. They're all accurate. I can grab any of them and I can do whatever operation I need to and check things. I mean, one of the things I like to do with the combination square, at least a 12-inch one because it's so big, is to check the squares of a cut. If I'm doing like a cut on like a crosscut sled and I want to see how square that cut actually turned out, I'll use that combination square to check that. But if I have a combination square that's not square that I'm only supposed to use for layout, well, do I have a big fixed 12-inch square that I just use for checking stuff? Mm-hmm. Or do I just grab whatever square I have near me and just know that's all good, I guess? I like knowing that it's all square. <laughs> it, it like, and this <laughs> I, is I do too. <laughs> like you just don't have to think about it. And, and when I, I don't know what was it, the miter saw thing where I was posting pictures of me uh, checking that oh, Makita yeah. miter yeah. saw, I got so much flack from people who are like, "Oh my god, he's using a combination square to check the machine for square." And it's like, you know why I'm doing that? Because the damn thing is square. Like I know it's square, and it's it was it was so frustrating to hear these people, and most of them are like probably people who have purchased a Harbor Freight combination square or a Home Depot one, then where they weren't sure yeah. if it was square, and they can't rely on it to lock down square. But in my case, this particular one is totally square. I use it to check my work. I use it to check other things, and and I verified that it's square. So yeah, it's okay to use that because I know it's square. So yeah, I mean it's it's a good comfort to have everything just you could be confident that everything is square and at least then you could just blame yourself when something gets screwed up and not the tools. Yeah, I think the bigger <laughs> risk is like when you buy a combination of square, especially when you're getting started and you don't know that it might not be square, like you buy a cheap one and it's not actually square, and you're like, Oh, I got a square now, I can check all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Why the heck is nothing working? <laughs> yeah. And then that day you find out your combination square isn't actually square. Will just change your life and blow your mind. That's what yeah. happened to me. I bought a combination square. I think probably from like Walmart or something like that. It was like five bucks. And then the day I was like, let me buy like a nicer square and see what that's like. And I compared the two. And the the one I bought from Walmart was like like three sixteenths out over that twelve <laughs> inches. And nice. I was like, well, that explains a lot. That's why and there's then, always gaps like, in my work. So like, if I had known to actually check it. Like when I bought it, then I wouldn't have had that problem. I'm like, oh, this is crap. I should probably either adjust it by filing it or buy a better one. And then the day I found that out, though, like my work just started getting a lot better. And I was I was learning back then, so it's not like my work was super great to begin with. Yeah. But that wasn't helping either. <laughs> yeah, definitely setting you up for failure there to some extent. Yes, exactly. All right, Shannon. All right, this is from Andres, who says, I got a Stanley Sweetheart 62 low-angle jack, purchased after reading many an article about how the low-angle jack is the only plane you need. Wait, how many but articles honestly, are there about that? That's what I want to know. There's a lot, actually. Really? Quite a few. Yeah. Who would? Yeah. What, what stu- stupid people would even talk about that? 
I've I've done a video on it in response to like so many people talking about it. There was obviously (laughs) enough talk that I thought, you know what? I should throw out my opinion on this. But he says, honestly, this low angle jack is not my favorite. I found the best way to actually get a good clean shaving with it is by pulling instead of pushing. Obviously, this isn't how the tool was intended to be used. But when pulling, it forces the front of the plane down and forces the blade down. Boom, cut. So is it wrong to use it this way? Should I be getting better results by pushing? And if so, what can I do to get them? And then he puts at the bottom, which I think might be kind of key. I'm also um, very short. (laughs) And I built my bench to counter height because that's what I was used to. Would a lower bench where I can push down more on the tool improve performance? a good question so the the official party line should be here that you don't really need to put a lot of pressure down on a plane to get it to cut if you do that's an indication that your blade isn't very sharp or your sole is out of flat um because you're actually having to like uh (laughs) unnaturally apply pressure to get the thing to cut um and generally when a blade kind of pulls out of the cut and it's not cutting it's because it's dull and it's trying to find the path of least resistance which is to not cut so that would be the first thing I would check is it, you really should be able to take a shaving with a hand plane using a single hand, like just a hand on the tote, nothing on the knob, and you should still be able to get a shaving. That being said, it doesn't always work that way. And I, I love when I get to see internet demonstrations by by YouTube woodworkers showing, ah, oh, this is exactly how it should work. And it's like, yeah, it works that way for like three passes and then it just doesn't do it anymore. Um, or it works only in the perfect wood that's nice and soft and everything. So it does require a little bit of pressure down, but you really shouldn't have to be like, you know, leaning on the thing. And in fact, if you do, you're going to find you're going to get a bad cut. You're going to unnaturally taper the board, like unintentionally taper the board, unnaturally taper. It's unnatural. <laughs> that is such an unnatural taper. <laughs> Heretic, it's unnatural. <laughs> no, you're going to end up with a non-flat surface because you, it doesn't take a lot of extra weight on a plane to have it start taking a deeper cut somewhere else. Even though you haven't adjusted the depth of cut, you will put a taper into that board when you didn't mean to. So I'm hesitant to say, you. yes, you need a lower bench so you can really get on top of that thing and, and, and lean into it. However... There is something to be said about working at the proper height bench because there's a, there is a little bit of pressure down and it's also just a um, like body health thing. If you're up too high, you're engaging your shoulders and everything and you, know, you can get like tennis elbow and everything because you're putting too much stress on your elbow and your shoulder joints when really you should keep that arm kind of cocked at your side and it's more about footwork than anything else. And, and planing becomes much less strenuous because you're, you're using your legs. Um, and the higher up you go, the, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you may be running into issues there, in which case there's nothing wrong with pulling it. Wilbur Pan, if you're listening, you're laughing right now. But I mean, it's, 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 again, you're there's not, not going to be a bolt of lightning coming down, striking <laughs> you dead because you dared to pull a Western plane. If it works, great. Um, I do think that there's something else there that should allow you should be able to get a, a, a clean shaving by pushing. It could be a technique issue. Could be you're 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 not not putting enough weight somewhere, or you know the the. You can also run in instances where the board itself is just not flat enough to get a good shaving. So there's lots of things in play here. Um, but in the end, 
if it works pulling it, then, you know, hey, go for it, man. I mean, somebody had to pull a plane the first time, right? Some some Japanese woodworker some at weirdo. one point thought, you know what? It works better when I pull it this way. Maybe I'll do it this way. Yeah. You know, and he was stoned, and then his son did it, and his son was stoned. And his son eventually they stopped stoning that that family of, of carpenters, and, and then it became Oh, that kind of stone. So, uh, oh, yeah. oh, they sure, they weren't high. They were. I'm, go, I'm going way back. To actually, like hit with punishment. stones. Okay. <laughs> I think the, the, it sounds or, like you know, um, that's a possibility too. You know, that stone. It could like, have been. Man, yeah. I'm going to pull this. Yeah. Like the the red flag here is is partly the bench height. Like I feel like it would be really uncomfortable to try to push a plane on a very high bench. You know, one yes. that's high for my height. Uh, and while pulling is still maybe not the correct body posture, maybe it's just easier or the mechanics of the situation allow the pull to actually make the cut in this sort of compromised position. So yeah. I mean, I, I mean would, the, I, the vector of the, the, the force vector as you're pulling on it is definitely going to be pushing that blade down yeah. into the work. Mm-hmm. A good test could be here, Andres, to if you have a, another plane, like a smaller plane, like a smoother or a block Try planing at that higher height using that smaller plane. You're going to find that it's going to be easier just because you don't have uh, such, uh, well, certainly as much mass, but you've got a shorter wheelbase on that smaller plane. So, for instance, block planes, you can take a shaving with a block plane, you know, hanging upside down on a scaffolding. The, the, the plane is very nimble and agile, and you don't really need that leverage in order to take the cut. Um, the jack plane being a slightly larger plane, slightly heavier plane could be giving you a little bit more struggle, whereas a smoother, you may not struggle at all. And that could be um, an indication that your bench is just not the right height for that type of um, a type of heavier work that's required of a jack plane. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I think that just about does it for the show. Uh, if you want to leave us a review in iTunes or any other place that uh, has a directory of podcasts, we always appreciate that. And uh, let's see, if you want to support the show, of course, you can do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can go to twwstore.com and pick yourself up a woodtalk t-shirt. And uh, I think that's about it. So, Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. I'd love to, Mark. Okay. If anyone out there wants to, you know, say we're wrong and, and perpetuate the miter saw fence thing, <laughs> nah, let's you can that do that <laughs> by we're sending us a voicemail. <laughs> And uh, uh, use your voice memo app on your smartphone or dumb phone and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Type it out, send it in, and you're done. And we may or may not read it. So uh, you can also <laughs> always find us on Instagram, although we haven't posted on Instagram lately. I say we. I say Mark has it posted on Instagram. <laughs> he nope. has the keys to that account. So, yeah, if you're looking at Wood Talk Show on Instagram and you're going, did they quit? Just, you know, direct message Mark. He likes it when you direct message him. Um, I do. Yeah. I really enjoy it. You can it. find us on Facebook and Twitter and all those places and and, and Vine and yeah. Periscope. <laughs> of course, that's where we are. <laughs> Uh, follow us on periscope definitely follow us on periscope yeah that's bound to be good very active account there all right well thanks for listening everybody and we will catch you next time bye-bye see you planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.